I'm Andrea Worley, and you're listening to episode 15 of the Flourish Together podcast, Mastering Your Motherhood with Jamie McLaughlin. Hey, everybody. I wanted to do a quick note before the episode gets started. There are a few small audio pauses in this recording of this episode. And I wanted to let you guys know that ahead of time. I apologize for the pauses. As I was editing this episode, there was some audio issues during the recording. And as I went into editing them, there were a few that were very hard to take out without completely cutting out what Jamie is saying. So hang in there with me in this episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm super excited for you guys to hear uh, what Jamie has to share with you guys this week. So I apologize for the audio issues, but hang in with me. Um, I know you guys are going to love it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. Today's episode, I have Jamie McLaughlin on, and I'm excited to uh, introduce you guys to Jamie. Jamie, go ahead and say hello to the listeners and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Jamie McLaughlin, and I'm super excited to be here. Um, I am a mom of four. Um, I was a hair and makeup artist for 14 years, um, and I just last year transitioned into more of an online space. Um, and so now my husband and I work together on our business. And I know you just from like the Phoenix blogger influencer scene. That's how it was first introduced to you. So if you ever come back to Phoenix, we'll have to meet up. Yes, for sure. So this podcast episode was kind of birthed and inspired by a conversation that I had a few weeks ago with a friend and she made a comment and asked me how I find the time to get ready every day and how do I do that? And I thought about her question and for me, it's just kind of something that's in my rhythm and my routine and, um, for myself, I kind of went through a period when I had my second child where I just was not feeling the best about myself. And it was like, I woke up one day and was like, I need to change some things in my routine. I need to get dressed, you know, four out of five days Mm -hmm. and do something with myself in order to feel good about myself and kind of change my perspective a little bit. And I wanted to have you on the show because I know that you are passionate about self-care for women. So can you kind of talk a little bit about- motherhood just takes over, especially in those early years. And it's really difficult to navigate, you know, we've all heard that cliche statement, you know, the babies don't come with a book. There's no manual on how to take care of these babies or how to navigate motherhood. And so it's really difficult for moms to kind of jump into it, um, thinking that it's this glorified, beautiful experience, which it absolutely is, but there's also some, you know, hard truths to motherhood as well. And I think that, we as women are natural nurturers and we tend to put ourselves last because we feel like their needs come before us, which there are times where those needs do come before our needs. But a lot of times women kind of just take themselves off the table completely and they just become totally selfless um, and they completely sacrifice themselves at the altar of motherhood, thinking that that is the best strategy for raising their kids or um, for taking care of those babies. And it's really difficult because too much of anything isn't really good. You know, too much sugar isn't good. Too much this isn't good. Um, so it's kind of the same thing with motherhood. 
giving you have to your kids. You've really got nothing left. You're going to empty yourself and you're going to deplete yourself. And it's going to be really difficult to actually flourish and thrive in motherhood if you're not taking that time for yourself. So for me personally, you know, I have four babies and so I've gone through different walks of motherhood and at the, the start of my motherhood journey, uh, I definitely went down that path of not really taking care of myself regularly and um, really putting myself last. And that was, I realized that that was not a good strategy for me and that it wasn't effective at all. And I was having a really, really hard time. And I started to realize, you know, I'm not feeling good about myself and I need to just make some better decisions. Kind of like you, you had, you know, this epiphany where you're like, I need to make some serious changes. Um, Our bodies go through different changes and our minds go through different changes. And I think that people really, they don't comprehend the power that getting yourself ready has in your day. It's not vanity. It's not selfish at all. Uh, I like to explain it as an effective strategy for change, an effective strategy to put yourself in a better mood. Um, It's a very, very quick and effective tool just to give you a really, really good um, mood booster and make you feel good and you're more productive. Um, And science backs all of this too. Science says and research and studies say that when you get dressed in a real outfit, when you put a bra on, when you do your hair and makeup, that you are more productive, that you are more happy and joyful and excited and confident and you engage in more conversations. So uh, as a hair and makeup artist, you know, I would see a huge transition from people when they had no hair and makeup. And then once I was done with them and they, and their hair and makeup was finished. And I really wanted to be able to bring that transformation, not only just to my clients, but to moms, I feel like moms are kind of the forgotten about group of people in the beauty industry. It's either these crazy makeup tutorials or moms who are nothing at all. Uh, And I really believe there's something in between that. There's a really, really good delicate balance of learning how to strategically get yourself ready where it takes 10, 15, 20 minutes so that you can feel good and just be more excited and happy for the day. So uh, self-care is super important to me because it's been, um, it's changed my outlook day to day. It's helped me get out of those slumps personally. And I see it helping so many women, especially when I was hands-on doing those clients. So I love it. I think um, self-care is super important and hair and makeup and outfits, they don't have, it doesn't have to be vain. Uh, It doesn't have to be selfish. Again, if you, if you're looking at it as an effective tool, a tool and strategy, then it kind of takes that pressure off and that selfishness off and that kind of takes that mom guilt away. I love that. And I love all the things that you said. What would you say? Because I feel like sometimes in the church or in like Christianity, this can kind of be like down, downplayed a little bit. And like you said, seen as vanity a little bit when it's not. What would you say to people out there that, you know, love Jesus and have a heart for the Mm -hmm. Lord and feel like they've been caught up in maybe the confusion of that statement or, um, in the church. That's an awesome question. I love that you asked me that. Um, I talked about this the other day on my Facebook and I did a mops. I was talking to a group of mops or of moms at a mops meeting a couple weeks ago. And we talked a lot about this, um, Christianity, and self-care tend to not mix very well. And I think that there's, again, conflicting messages. Like you said, with Christianity, you know, you're called to die to yourself and love Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is above everything. But I think there's a very delicate balance between that. 
you know, we are called to die to ourselves when we become Christians, right? And we are a whole new being and um, this new creation. But the key is that we're a new creation in Christ, meaning he created us, meaning we are his creation and we should honor his creation and love his creation and have enough respect saying, you know, I am his daughter. I am the daughter of a king and I'm going to respect and honor myself enough knowing that I am the temple of God and I have to honor and take care of that. And I have to steward this body and this mind well so that I can in return serve him and point my life back to him. And how can you point your life back to Christ when you're in total survival mode and you're an absolute disaster? I just don't see how that works. So I love that you asked me that. And again, I think we just really have to remember that we're his creation and we have to respect and love his creation just like we do everything else. You know, we love and respect these babies that we're blessed with and we love and respect, you know, the earth that he's blessed us with and everything, all these things. But we tend to lose ourselves in that and forget that, you know, we're his creation too. And he loves us just as much as he loves everything else. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that perspective because I would agree that when I started just taking care of my physical body in that season, many years ago, when I had a newborn and an almost three-year-old, my perspective started to shift and I felt good about taking care of like this one body that the Lord gave me and being strong for my kids with working out and taking care of myself and making myself look presentable. Even if I was just staying at home all day, it made such a difference in my mindset. So I can completely relate and agree with what you're saying. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people too, when they think of hair and makeup, they think, you know, it's vain or the outward appearance is really unimportant. But just like you said, sometimes it takes a minor physical change for you to be able to get into a healthier mental space so that you can do more of that mental and that heart work, especially when you're in that slump of motherhood that so many moms are. Sometimes we need just that really quick, effective physical change. And if that's hair and makeup and that's a tool to get you to a healthier mental space, why not? Why wouldn't you use it? You know, there again, it's always that delicate balance, but um, again, these, these are quick and effective strategies to make you feel really good and to Where would you tell women to start, whether they're a wife, a mom, doesn't matter, women in general, where would you tell them to start with their self-care? I think it's really, really, it's very, very personal depending on your season. I think self-care changes very, very often and you have to be flexible in your view on what self-care is depending on the season that you're in. So if you're pregnant and if you're a newborn mom, I would say the first thing that you should be caring for, especially postpartum, your self-care isn't getting ready. Your self-care isn't going to the gym. When you have a fresh newborn baby, your self-care is allowing your body and honoring your body enough to let it heal and to let it rest and to just be calm and enjoy that baby and not clean your house and allow other people to step in and help. And so self-care is really learning and knowing who you are and what you need in each particular season of life. And again, that changes over time. So it's going to be different from a newborn mom to a mom in my season where 
I have some older kids and I have some younger kids, but I'm in the midst of a really busy season of work. So my self-care is going to look totally different than, you know, a, a newborn mom. So you really have to take the time to get to know yourself personally, spend alone, quiet time with yourself and just check in with yourself regularly and, and think and know your body and say, what do I need right now? Not what do I need because I'm selfish, but what do I need because I know that when my needs are met, I can meet everyone else's needs that much better. So I would say kind of check in with your mental game a little bit um, and be super consistent about continually checking in on yourself and really being aware of where you're at in life and what your season looks like. That's good. I, I think it's always important too to be aware of the seasons that we're in and, and constantly be reevaluating that. Yes. I want to transition a little bit and I wondered if you could share with the listeners. I'm always intrigued and encouraged by others, how they're living life and how they're really looking at their own family and reworking life. And recently you and your husband moved from Phoenix to Dallas. And with that move, you guys did a little bit of downsizing. Can you walk us through that journey for you guys? Um, because you guys made an intentional choice to live very differently for a season, however long it might be for you guys. Yeah, we did. So we were living in Phoenix um, just about six or seven months ago. And uh, almost two years prior to that, we had purchased our first home. You know, it was, a, I, I can't even say a typical first home that you buy because we have four kids, three kids at the time. And so we needed a bigger home. Um, and so we bought, you know, a bigger 2,500 square foot home. We had, you know, four bedrooms and a loft and a living room and all this space and an office. And um, at the time we were watching far too much Chip and Joe and thought that we could... <laughs> completely renovate our house in a one hour episode, which again, I think we all know is super unrealistic, but uh, head first into the American dream into, you know, you buy the house and you live in the house and you, you know, do all these things that that's what you do when you're a family, you know, you get married, you have babies, you buy a house, you stay in that house. And so we started down that path because again, that's what society says that you do. And that's just what's normal and what's normal. You feel like that's what you should be doing. And we quickly realized after moving into the house and spending lots of money on the renovation and just having to take care of the house nonstop, we realized very quickly that that was not for us, especially in the current season that we're in. Um, we both love to travel. We love to travel with our kids. It's, that's something that we prioritize. It's really, really important for us and for our family to experience. Um, we want our kids to have that, um, the different experiences with different cultures and different foods and different people and, you know, all of those things. And so it was really difficult for us because we didn't have the budget to travel like we wanted to when we were putting all of our money into our home. And, you know, we even bought a house that was less than what we technically could afford. And, you know, we thought we did all these things right. And again, we quickly realized that it just, that's not what we wanted to do. It was not fitting in our season. It was not bringing us joy. It was, you know, there was all this pressure. We had this big house and it was like, do we fill the house with all this furniture? And, you know, it was just so much to take on. And we felt like we were just keeping up our home rather than actually enjoying the people in our home, which was not a good feeling. We were constantly grumpy and he, you know, every weekend, instead of being with our kids or being out at Disneyland or whatever, we were doing the yard and doing the baseboards and, you know, for a short season, sometimes it can be fun, you know, for the first couple weeks, first couple months. But after that, it just wore us down. 
And so we kind of felt God stirring in our hearts, both of our hearts, um, you know, that he had more for us and that he wanted to, you know, not physically move us, just he wanted to mentally um, get us ready for a completely new season of life. And we had no idea what that looked like uh, at all. And the opportunity arose for us to move to Texas. Um, At the time, my family, uh, my mom and my stepdad had moved here to Texas where we're at now. And, um, at first, you know, I was, Texas was not on the radar whatsoever, but again, God kind of moved in my husband and I's heart and was just like, you know, consider it, consider it. And so we kind of went through the process and we were like, okay, we'll put our house on the market, see what happens. So we did, and it sold in five days and, you know, we had some other hurdles to get over and we went over them really, really quick. And so we thought through and we were like, you know, we don't really want to move into another house and we don't really want to move into a big house for sure. We know that. And so why don't we just take a step back and for a short season, let's get rid of a bunch of stuff that we have. Let's move into an apartment. Let's just enjoy a season of rest. Let's enjoy a season of no baseboards and, you know, no worries that if the washing machine breaks, they come and fix it. If, you know, a baseboard cracks, they come and fix it. And let's just focus on the babies and focus on this transition and just see where it takes us. And so we did, we got rid of a bunch of stuff from our house and we minimized uh, a lot. And we moved into, I say an apartment and it's difficult to say that because the apartment is not teeny. It's, you know, 1500 square feet. Now we have a garage and we've got lots of space. So it's not like we're crammed living in this teeny thing, but it's really cool. It's strengthened our kids' relationships. All four kids share one bedroom and the bedroom is massive to begin with, but we've got two, two sets of bunk beds in there and the kids bunk up and we call it the Mac house bunk. And that's like their bunk house and they play and they do forts and they're just loving being able to go to sleep together every night, not be alone in the room. Um, and it's just been a really, really nice slow season of not having to worry about too much physical stuff. It takes us, you know, 30, 45 minutes to clean our whole house. It's easily, you know, we can easily maintain everything. And it's just been really cool to kind of push back and say, no, no, you know, we don't want debt. We're going to pay cash for everything. We don't need all this stuff. People live in small homes and in small spaces all over the world. It's just America that thinks that we need these massive, massive spaces. Um, And again, my my husband's from England. And so smaller spaces is normal to him. So coming to Phoenix where we have these huge houses, he's like, what do you even do with this big house? So for him, it was very, very natural. Um, And this is kind of a normal scenario, again, having a smaller space, but it's been really good um, just to have less to worry about and a freer mind. And um, it's been a really, really good season. I feel like as much as I don't want to say it, God's kind of moving us again to um, change things up a bit, but not yet. Uh, we're spending the summer in England, which will be awesome. So again, this is giving us the freedom to, we're going to spend six weeks over in England for the summer and be able to experience that with the kids and go travel to some places and see his whole family. So, um, we, you know, I think we'll always maintain a more minimal lifestyle than we did before. Um, our kids, you know, don't have a ton of toys. We allow lots of creative play and outside play and we let them be bored and we let them get creative and make forts rather than shoving toys, you know, all over the room. So I think we'll always live a more minimal lifestyle. Um, but we're definitely getting to the point where, you know, a backyard would be nice. <laughs> we knew the apartment life would be temporary, but, um, it is, 
nice knowing that, you know, we went from this huge house and that we totally handled going to an apartment really, really well. And now we feel a lot more balanced mentally to know what our needs are and to make those decisions for our family, because that's what's right for our family. Not because society says we, every kid needs their own bedroom and all this space and all this stuff. So, um, it's been a really freeing experience, uh, for the whole family. So it's been great. That's awesome. And I love hearing about your guys' journey. Um, my husband and I did, we downsized last year. We built a smaller home intentionally. And I remember having these conversations um, with just different friends and family. And it was like, they couldn't wrap their minds around why would you downsize? Like if you're going to build, why wouldn't you build bigger or have these other things that you don't have? And we just kind of went on a similar train as what you guys are saying, even though we built a house, but we intentionally downsized. And I, we moved our whole family of four in a 16 foot pod, just one pod. And -hmm. it was so like freeing. Yes. And I felt so like victorious that we moved our whole family, all of our belongings in just like this one pod. And, you know, we didn't load up three moving trucks and, you Mm -hmm. know, different things. And it's so interesting. Do you find it I found it interesting because our culture kind of tells us the opposite. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that we're into it, you know, a year later, almost it's, it's so, it's so eye opening and refreshing to know, like you can live with less and this might not be for everybody, but it's really opened my eyes to what you really don't need versus what you do. Totally. Oh, absolutely. I think that that was a huge eye opener for us too. You know, we have, we, you know, we kept, I had a really hard time because I wanted to chuck everything. I was like absolutely ruthless. So as we were packing up, I remember my mom flew into town and she was helping us pack and she's like going through my kitchen. And I had this huge kitchen and I could barely fill the cabinets with stuff and we cook and eat at home. I mean, all every meal, most days of the week. And I still couldn't even fill it up. And I remember as she's pulling everything out, she's like, you know, what about this? What about this? And I'm like, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And she's like, but you're going to have to fill another house. But I'm like, I haven't touched that in months. I don't need it. And now that we're in the apartment, you know, you know, these are the definitely get rid of, how about we keep some maybe piles. And so I had some maybe piles and we kept those in boxes and put them in the garage and had our needs in, and we've been living in this apartment for seven months now. And I have not gone to the garage in those boxes and gotten any of that stuff because I don't need it. And it definitely does, especially the way we did it now, it definitely does open your eyes and make you realize how many things that we fall for because society says it's cool or it's new or we need it or, you know, it's the newest thing. And in actuality, there's, we could survive on so much less and not just survive, but like actually thrive because we're not a slave to everything in our home and trying to take care of all these materialistic things. So we've, we've really, really loved the process. And I do think that, um, as we grow out of this apartment and move into that season of finding that perfect home for us, it, we definitely will be able to feel again, a lot more mentally able to make a decision on a smaller house, um, that actually fits our family that we don't have to take care of nonstop, um, and clean for hours and hours and hours on end. We can kind of just find something that fits us and that maintains us. And that is a very, very freeing feeling. And again, people don't 
don't are it's very different um, when you do start to talk about this in general. And that's kind of been my husband and I's entire relationship. We, we consistently make decisions uh, that are very different than most people do. And it's always an argument. It's always a conversation like, why? Like, why wouldn't you want more? Why wouldn't you want more space? Why, why don't your kids need their own bedroom? And I'm like, I don't like sleeping alone. I sleep with my husband. Like why would all these poor like little babies want to sleep alone, you know? So it is crazy to see how society definitely impacts a lot of people's decision because that's just what's normal. Um, but just because it's normal doesn't mean it's what you have to do personally for your family. And we really believe that. Right. And I couldn't agree more. I'm always telling people now, uh, evaluate what your family needs and, and do that. Don't do what you think people want you to do or you think culture tells you think about what your family needs and that might not be the same for me or for this person or that person but there is a lot of freedom in knowing what works for you and and doing that absolutely there totally is okay so I wanted to chat with you a few months ago you wrote a blog post um, about wiping your social media free and unfollowing and starting over and when I read your blog post, it just said so many things that like I have felt in my heart um, and just reconciling the social media world with being somebody who's a content creator. I think you just have a really unique perspective about this. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I um, have been on social media for a long time. And again, that's, you know, a lot of my job is social media. Um, I do have to be on it. Um, I say quite often, but within reason um, for work and to know what's going on and, you know, to consistently post and show up for my tribe of people that I talk to all the time, which is great. And I love that aspect. Um, but I think again, it just because some becomes something that's um, an unconscious habit that we tend to get into. You know, we flip our phones open and our, our thumbs automatically just click that button. We just click Instagram or we just click that Facebook button um, and we automatically just go to it mindlessly and then we just scroll mindlessly and, you know, we're scrolling and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. But I realized that, you know, I'm on social media consistently. I have to be on it, you know, consistently. There's no way that I could have gotten rid of it, especially at the time. And I just started to think through, God, like I'm flicking through mindlessly. This is very habitual and not in a good way. I'm like flicking through and I'm feeling really gross when I'm done with it. Like after I close out my app, I, I feel yucky. I don't feel right. Like something doesn't feel right. I'm getting grumpy. I'm getting frustrated. I'm looking at people. I, I'm feeling walking away, feeling super discouraged or irritated at like, you know, this is the world we live in or like, this is what people are posting. You know, I was getting super frustrated and it was just crazy because I was like, Oh, you know, I was so frustrated over and over again. And then I had like this light bulb moment. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm the curator of my own feed. <laughs> I have a choice in who I follow. What am I actually doing right now? And so I went through and I'm like, you know, God, I'm following 1500 people. Like that's so silly. And obviously it's not just people, it's different brands and it's beauty mm -hmm. and it's stuff pertaining to my work, but I'm like 1500 people. That's going to take forever to try to actually think through and make 1500 decisions of yes or no. Do I want to follow these people? And so I found an app that allowed me to delete a couple hundred at a time. And I would just went through for a couple days and just swiped my Instagram, who I was following. And I unfollowed everybody. And I just said, 
if I truly wanted to follow someone, I will remember their name and I will look them up and I will follow them again. And if I don't remember their name, clearly they were not that impactful to me. And, you know, I know who I want to follow. And so I went back through and I was able to, um, find the people that I wanted to follow. You know, I've got Proverbs, Proverbs 31 ministry and all these different things that, you know, I really enjoyed following that did give me really good encouragement. So I was able to kind of find those people and over time just kind of remembered, Oh yeah, like I really loved, really loved what this person posted, or I really loved seeing their lifestyle, or I really love these, um, these mentor, these entrepreneur mentors for me, they are consistently posting encouragement. And that's what I want to go to when I go to my social media. And so I just realized that again, I'm the curator of who I'm following and I have choices and that none of this is unconscious, you know, I wise choices so that I'm walking away from this space that I have to use for work. I'm walking away from it feeling encouraged and excited and motivated. And I can wake up first thing in the morning and open Instagram and know that I'm what am I feeding myself? I'm going to be fed those lovely thoughts and amazing things to help me jump out of bed and want to actually accomplish all the tasks that I have to, because it's really hard sometimes, especially, you know, when you're a mom or you're a stay-at-home mom, it's like day after day after day, you do the same thing over and over again. But when you kind of curate this feed of people that are so motivating and so exciting and, um, you know, so life-giving, it's just this own little online tribe again of motivation. So now I can go to my feed and I know that I can flick through and instantly say, like, have that kick in my butt. You know, I follow this guy and he talks about entrepreneurship and he talks about the truths of it. And for me, I have to hear that. And the other day I almost had a breakdown before this big launch that I'm doing. And it was so cool because just at the right time, his feed posted up and just, you know, said, don't grow weary, just keep going. You know, and those are the posts that I need. Those are the encouragement that I need. I don't need the negativity. Um, so yeah, I feel like we, we have more power in our hands and I think we believe that we do. And social media is absolutely a choice. Um, and I think it gets a, a negative rap. And that's really sad because again, we're choosing. We're the ones putting this information out there. We're the ones listening to this information and we kind of dictate what's in our hands and in our eyes and going in our heads. And we have to be really careful about what we're listening to and what's kind of penetrating our hearts and our minds. Um, so cleaning that out and kind of deleting all those people and starting over fresh has been uh, really awesome. And again, I walk away from this space, just loving it and connecting with the best people ever. Um, so it's been an awesome change. I love that. And my biggest takeaway, just listening to you talk is that you're just being so intentional about the, the messages and the imagery you're filling your own mind with, but also intentionally about how you're curating your own feed and you want those two things to align. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that. And I think it's a message that, because I think it can be really easy to get into the mindless trap of, like you said, following and just going there and not making sure that it's an intentional space because it is such an awesome tool that you can use for business and you can use it to connect with people. But if it's not used in an intentional way, then it becomes muddied and cloudy and no purpose behind it. Absolutely. Um, where can everyone find you online if they want to connect with you? Um, tell everybody about your business and what you're doing online with the things that you have going on. 
personally, you get to see kind of the back end of life and business. And my husband and I go live together and I do live every Tuesday. Um, and that's my um, Instagram and it's at underscore the Mac house underscore. And so that's where you're going to see all the behind the scenes. Um, and master your motherhood is coming. Um, I think this episode is coming out after the launch of it. So it'll be mm -hmm. totally live and ready to go. But master your motherhood is my new baby. And that's going to be um, a space for moms to find really, really affordable, simple, and effective uh, tools and strategies just to help women master their motherhood on all different levels. Um, and that is, I'm super excited for that. And to be able to talk about, you know, mastering your hair and your makeup, which is totally important and being able to master your self-care, but also there's other parts to motherhood and there, you know, that has an effect on you and your mind and your heart. And I really want to help moms, uh, be able to, again, find effective strategies to help master certain areas. So, um, we have some courses and some eBooks that are coming out and it just teaches anywhere from mastering your finances to mastering your kids reward system. And we talk about, uh, having regular family meetings and just, uh, mastering your mindset, which I'm super, super excited about that ebook. And again, I talk about uh, a lot about how society really negatively impacts families. And, um, so it's going to be really, really great. So again, it's the Mac house or master your motherhood, and you can find me on either one. That's awesome. I will leave links in the show notes to all of Jamie's social media and um, the links to the Master Your Motherhood stuff. Uh, my last question that I always ask my guests that are on with me is who or what in your life right now is helping you flourish in the season that you're in? I would have to say our new church. We're super, super excited to finally have found a church home here in Texas. Uh, when we first moved here, um, again, we moved here to be close to family. And then um, about a month after we moved here, our family moved away. So we're actually here with no family, no oh, friends. No. <laughs> we didn't know anyone. And it was really hard at first, but it's been really cool. We um, got into an awesome church that's really, really great for the kids and for us. And we've gotten into a small group and we're starting to build some relationships. And it's really cool to have that space where you can be honest and vulnerable um, and just get some really good encouragement and love and support and growth. And, you know, we've got our group text that we have, which just keeps me and my husband dying laughing. It's like the funniest group ever, which is so cool. So that's keeping us alive in this busy season of parenting for babies. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's so great. Well, thank you, Jamie, for joining me um, on this episode of the Flourish Together podcast. I'm excited for everyone to listen and get to know you a little bit more. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was fun.